Hi, I'm Melissa Chase, Marketing Manager with Sustainalytics Sustainable Corporate Solutions Division. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to invite you to our upcoming webinar on Tuesday, November 16th, titled ESG Risk Ratings and APAC, Supporting the Corporate Sustainability Journey. This informative online event will feature a panel of corporate and finance leaders from the Asia-Pacific region. The panel will share their thoughts on corporate, environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, ratings, and provide insights on how they integrate ESG ratings into their investment and sustainable finance activities. Join us to hear from leaders at Maitri Asset Management, ING, Sydney Airport, and Sustainalytics. Visit the news and events page on our website at sustainalytics.com to register. And now, on with the show. to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that have hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Aditi, who work in sales and business development across the Asia-Pacific. So Nick, what are some of the headline numbers and events that happened in the past month? Yeah, hi, uh, good afternoon or good morning or good evening to all of our uh, listeners, and thanks for the introduction, Aditi. Yeah, another packed month, last few weeks of activities, lots of reports, lots of deals racing through 2021. It'll be over by the time we record a couple more uh, podcasts. So plenty, uh, plenty happening. But just to focus on a couple of things we've seen over the month, I guess against the backdrop of recent weeks with Evergrande or Evergrande in China and some some financial stress on that company that's very, very uh, large in terms of its borrowings and bonds and things. We'll see what impact that has on the overall bond volumes. We know that uh, real estate in China has been pretty hot over the last couple of years. So let's let's see what the impact from that may be. So a couple of creeks sort of in the background, but to put all of that in the context in terms of our area of labelled bonds, ESG bonds, global social sustainability, a really good report. And I would encourage our listeners to check that out. The Climate Bond Initiative or the CBI released Um, a few weeks ago, really recaps in detail the first half of 2021. And just to pick up on a couple of things from that, look, it's still record breaking. So even against the backdrop of some different types of issues, economic stress, volatility in the markets, we're still seeing that total volumes up for the first uh, first half were still, you know, nearly 60% growth from uh, from 2020. Social and sustainability bonds continued to be, you know, 20% or so plus growth versus the previous year. Sustainability link bonds continue to grow strongly. We'll probably see the green bond market hit and go over two trillion in aggregate um, next year for all-time cumulative issuance. So lots, um, you know, lots happening and really positive dynamics there. In terms of a couple of other things noted in that report, so the first half um, sustainability link bonds just over thirty billion, um, about six percent of the total sort of labelled space or labelled market. So let's see how that continues to grow and where that ends up. Bets of who knows, 100, 150 this year. Maybe that's a bit too ambitious in the last sort of six months of the year, but still very strong growth 
and the pie chart, if you like, or the line chart of the different types of products, you know, changing over time. The CBI does note that transition specific labeled bonds, maybe more on a use of proceeds basis, continue to sort of lag, find its space. Uh, we still believe that they can coexist with other products in the market. And Sanam, Cadent, um, Enel, and a few of those companies have sort of done more transition labeled, or at least Sanam, Cadent have. So let's see how that, um, how that goes. Something else that, that jumped out was a little bit of a spotlight that Environmental Finance or Environmental Finance News uh, put out on Tier 2 Subordinated Sustainable Debt. That's uh, way too many S's for, uh, for me in the, one, uh, in the one sentence. But a real trend for banks to be issuing more, um, obviously, Tier 2 capital, part of their capital management structure, but to do that in sustainable format. We've even seen a couple of, or we might see some some SLBs in that sort of format as well. Again, financial institutions haven't done too much on the SLB side as most of the SLB targets probably should connect to portfolios and the stats and numbers and metrics are still getting worked out for a lot of banks. But just interesting that there was a a real smattering of banks issuing on that format. And again, we like to see sovereigns issue a lot. We like to see banks issue a lot because we know that they really catalyze and, and grow out these markets quickly in supporting their customers. So an interesting um, spotlight there. We probably almost should have a separate section for, for greenwashing or greenwashing debates or there continues to be more articles than I've ever seen before. Again, not necessarily bad. Bring on the scrutiny. The market has to be able to stand up to scrutiny. And in a fast growing market or supercharged market, that's not unreasonable. I would hope to some folks issuing criticisms or or debatable points that the arguments are much more nuanced than really broad brush. So let's see if those arguments get more detailed going forward. But there was some articles about talent, greenwashing and bank pledges and different risks and, you know, all sorts of things. But as we've always said on the podcast, you know, work with someone like a Sustainalytics, ideally us, work with a bank that's experienced, look at what's been done in the market, be authentic about what you want to do in terms of your transaction really resonating, whether that's use of proceeds, whether that's linked, make sure it's key, important projects, and that it really does map to your strategic direction in a really clear and linked way. But um, yeah, we'll keep a keep an eye on that. So uh, a bit more on greenwashing, so to speak. There was also a couple of articles about linked bonds and the quantum of the penalties, whether they're enough, whether people should be getting discounts, what format that penalty should take. So I think that's a debatable point that will just continue to grow in the market and evolve. And definitely that's one for more scrutiny. If everyone just has a penalty of 25 basis points, but there's different levels of bond principle, there's different levels of coupons, there's different levels of risk, you know, does that really make sense? Maybe not. So let's see how that develops over time. A couple more other things about broader type topics, biodiversity. So I think there's a big UN conference coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, We've seen the launch of the TNFD, the Task Force for Nature-Based Financial Disclosures. That's definitely a mouthful as well. The whole issue of beyond carbon biodiversity risks, we've seen the Descupta report released earlier in the year. There's loads and loads of tools to help companies quantify that. It's a bit of the, the kind of the less obvious, you know, critical ESG um, or the E of the ESG issues and, and really more and more reports quantifying the extent to that relates to financial stability, materiality towards financial performance. 
and a whole range of uh, of things in the s- systematic nature with you know up to like 50% of world gdp somehow connected to different elements of biodiversity whether that be direct or not so watch that space i expect it to be a lot more prominent in both linked and use of proceeds instruments going forward i've also been studying up aditi a little bit on nuclear so nuclear i've seen i uh, recently read the bill gates book how to avoid a climate disaster i i think i can't remember the specific name but check that out uh, and there was more talk about nuclear, which is, I guess, pricked my interest a little bit to have a look back. And, and another call out, there's a great podcast on this by the Angry Clean Energy Guy, bit of an odd name for a podcast, but excellent, excellent podcast series. And I think the latest episode or maybe even the latest one or two episodes of that goes into nuclear in a lot of detail about you know, maybe the conventional nuclear not being really fit for purpose as we look out to net zero, but there's no doubt nuclear is low carbon. Um, emissions, but there's all the other issues that that come with it, and that maybe the innovation around fission and, and some of those types of you know technologies. Essentially, that's what powers the sun and the stars. If we can harness that, I think that'll really help. But maybe the conventional ways to approach nuclear are no longer relevant. So I have a feeling that nuclear is going to be much more back on the on the debate. Still not sure where I personally feel um, feel about that. So let's see. The more scrutiny, the more research, the different elements of innovation, we may see that develop a bit more. But let's um, let's see. Okay, um, let's keep moving. One of the strangest ones that I have seen, um, Aditi, I didn't know whether it was a joke or serious, but I think it, it's serious, was Philip Morris doing a sustainability-linked uh, linked bond. And again, we know that tobacco, we won't comment too much about the specifics of that. We know what tobacco does and doesn't do and that there's a lot of restrictions for investors into those type of products. So yeah, just a, just a different one. Let's just put it that way. We'll let, we'll let others make their own conclusion, but basically tasking Philip Morris to change its business model for to more smoke-free revenue. Bit of a question mark on that, but um, we're seeing sustainability finance certainly proliferate and even into some, um, let's put that in the category of slightly odd for uh, for now, and people can, can form their own uh, judgment. Okay, a couple more reports issued over the month. Our friends at, at Climate Bonds Initiative um, again, super good reports, super helpful that uh, often come out in batches. There was a report on Latin America, huge growth in the markets there and, and what's happening. So definitely check that out. The six monthly report by the CBI on bond pricing in the primary markets for green bonds released probably the best paper around and continues to show oversubscriptions, both in Euro and US be more pronounced than uh, conventional bonds and also the the spread compression to be still a few points greater um, or more in the green bond market. So do check that out. Lots of really good uh, information. The last thing in the in the news section was the annual conference from the Climate Bond Initiative. Check out all those recordings. I think you should be able to find them on YouTube. And they released a great paper on resilience, just transition. And this one, the paper that I'm mentioning was about the credibility of transition strategies, a little bit similar to the ICMA Transition Climate Finance Handbook. And it has four parts, you know, Paris aligned targets, robust plans, implementation action, internal reporting and monitoring. And I think CBI going forward will start to open up different types of certifications that allow companies to submit um, different types of plans around that transition and, and how robust they are and these type of things, which is great for the whole market to really figure out more and more what good looks like and some reference points to that and how to pick apart a strategy and challenge that in a constructive way. So that was really good to see that paper. Highly recommend our listeners to check that out. So 
Um, what another um, few weeks, lots of things happening. And what about yourself, Aditi? The green bond market continues to grow pretty rapidly, even with a bit of market, you know, turbulence here, here and there. But what's jumped out or what have you noticed on the green bond part of the market? Yeah, great. Thanks, Nick. And thanks for another great market update. Uh, but coming to green bonds and starting with sovereigns, so lots of sovereign issuances that happened in the past month. And starting with the Isle of Man, the Treasury listed GBP 400 million in sustainable bonds on the International Stock Exchange. This issuance is in line with their newly established sustainable financing framework, which is aligned to ICMA's green bond and social bond principles, and has also received a second party opinion from Sustainalytics. For our listeners, do check that out. The eligible projects covered in their framework include clean transportation, energy efficiency, affordable housing, education, and healthcare. Moving from Isle of Man to their Crown Authority UK, so Britain sold £10 billion of its first green government bond, which saw a huge demand attracting over £100 billion of demand from investors, which was the highest ever for a British bond syndication, and foreign investors made up 17% of the demand. So proceeds from the sale of this bond will be used for projects like offshore wind farms and zero emission buses, and it will also help UK polish up its green portfolio ahead of COP26. Moving on to Russia, Moscow will be using the proceeds from the green bonds that have been live on the Moscow Stock Exchange since May this year to finance sustainable transport projects like building new metro lines, stations and purchase e-buses that will help them reduce GHG emissions. Moving to Singapore, where you are based, Nick, MAS, or the Monetary Authority of Singapore, which is the central bank, raised $2.6 billion in the first ever sale of Singa bonds to fund infrastructure projects. So this is the first SGS bond to be issued under the Significant Infrastructure Government Loan Act that was passed by the parliament in May. Moving to Hong Kong, Shenzhen Municipal Government will issue RMB bonds in Hong Kong, which is the first time that local government from the mainland has issued bonds in Hong Kong. And there are also plans for the SAR government to add RMB-denominated green bonds to the government's green bond program. So the activity of Hong Kong's green bond market is expected to increase significantly. Moving on to Namibia, they have joined the Build Back Better initiative, a project that was introduced in June this year by a group of about seven countries pushed by the IMF on financing. And Namibia is looking to issue green and sustainability bonds from next year. Serbia, for the first time in its history, issued a green euro bond worth 1 billion euros. This was issued at the lowest coupon rate ever of 1% and a yield rate of 1.26% with investor demand exceeding 3 billion euros during the auction. And by issuing this green bond, Serbia became one of the few European countries and the only European country outside the EU that issued a green instrument. The value of Nigeria's green bond market has hit $136 million within three years, with four issuances recorded since the debut issuance by the federal government. And according to the CEO of Nigerian Exchange, the potential for Sukuk and green bonds remains immense and is likely to expand over the years. EU has also adopted a green bond framework to gear up for 250 billion euro issuance, with the first green bond issuance expected in October, and plans for a total of around 80 billion euros long-term bonds this year. Continuing with the EU, Spain launched its first ever green bond this month, 20-year-old bond uh, raising 5 billion euros, and the deal received 60 billion euros of demand, so that's a, a huge interest in the market. Moving to LATAM, Colombia is said to become the first government in Latin America to sell green bonds in the local market in a debut offering of at least 500 billion pesos of securities, taking advantage of the rise in socially conscious investing. 
And lastly, Tennessee Valley Authority, which is a federally owned electric utility in US, they launched a $500 million offering of 10-year maturity green bonds. Proceeds from the bond will be used to fund capital investments for renewable energy generation, energy storage, transmission system upgrades, and development of advanced clean energy technology. Moving from sovereigns to sector-specific issuances now and starting with insurance, where Sustainalytics provided an SPO to this German reinsurer, Munich Re. This was last year. So based on the framework, they've issued a $1 billion tier two green bond a year after it issued its first green bond. And the use of proceeds are tied to sustainable water management, sustainable management of living natural resources, renewable energy, clean transportation. ADB, ADB sold its first blue bonds under the expanded green and blue bond framework aligned to both ICMA's green bond principles and UN's sustainable blue economy finance principles. ADB's blue bonds will finance sustainable ocean-related projects in APAC, and an example of eligible project includes a waste-to-energy project in Maldives, which will stem the flow of plastics and other waste to the ocean and reduce the greenhouse gas emissions. Moving to banks, Bank of China Macau marketed a dual-currency biodiversity-themed green bond. There was also China Merchants Bank, which through its Luxembourg branch issued a landmark dual-tranche sustainability and carbon neutrality bonds totaling 600 million US dollars. And this is the first ever dual-tranche sustainability and green bond from a Chinese issuer to be listed on the Luxembourg Stock Exchange. Continuing with banks, uh, India, so we saw Axis Bank that listed its maiden 600 million 81 sustainable bonds, which were listed on India INX and NSE IFSC exchange in Gift City. The dollar-denominated bonds were priced quite competitively at 4.1% and saw a huge interest from investors across diverse geographies. This was the first such issuance from an Indian bank, second in Asia and only third globally. Sustainalytics provided the second-party opinion for the Sustainable Finance Framework of Axis Bank. This is published on our website, so do check it out. Moving on to renewables, European Energy set a record with the issuance of a new green senior corporate bond, expected to be the largest green bond of a corporate issuer to be listed on NASDAQ Copenhagen with a size of 300 million euros and maturity in 2025. Renewables Japanese INPEX or INPEX issued bonds valued at 10 billion yen for planned investments in geothermal and wind development in Japan and abroad. In Saudi Arabia, Renewables ACWA Power Company, which is partly owned by the Saudi Arabia PIF uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund, is looking at issuing green bonds starting next year to finance some of its renewable energy projects. Coming back to India, Adani Green Energy, or AGL, listed its US 750 million foreign currency green bonds on India INX Global Securities Market Platform with a three-year maturity at a very competitive coupon of 4.375%. The issuance is aligned with ICMA's Green Bond Principles and Climate Bonds Initiative. And lastly, on the renewables, another deal to highlight is a subsidiary of Philippine-based AC Energy, which issued green bonds to raise 400 million US to support new or existing renewable energy projects in Philippines or abroad. Uh, The second party opinion was again provided by Sustainalytics and is public on our website. Okay, moving on to the other sectors uh, like property. So Commonwealth Bank in Australia launched a property sustainability upgrade loan for new and existing business customers, enabling more Australian businesses to reduce the environmental impact of commercial properties. CBA worked closely with neighbours to develop the loan eligibility criteria that will help businesses reduce their emissions by at least 30%. 
In China, Zendro Properties raised $250 million from a green bond. The use of proceeds tied to sustainable water management, renewable energy, pollution prevention and control, and green buildings. And lastly, Granite REIT raised Canadian $500 million from green bond with use of proceeds tied to terrestrial and aquatic biodiversity conservation, sustainable management of living natural resources, renewable energy, pollution prevention, green buildings, and clean transportation. Moving on to trains, Tokyo Metro plans a JPY 10 billion sustainability bond in October from its second sustainability bond, and the proceeds will be used to improve platform safety, install natural disaster protection measures, and introduce new energy efficiency rolling stock. Moving on to waste, SEMCOP, which is a Singapore-based company, has launched a sustainable financing framework for SLB transactions for the energy sector. So under the framework, it can now issue SLBs and SLLs following the guidelines. And the three KPIs that are identified by SEMCOP are GHG emissions intensity, GHG absolute emissions, and gross installed renewable energy capacity. U.S. giant retailer Walmart kicked off its five-part debt sale, including Green Bond. The SPO was provided by Sustainalytics, so check that out. Coming to pharma, Sustainalytics also provided the SPO for a U.S. pharma company, Lilly, on its sustainability bond framework with three, four green user proceeds categories and a couple of social categories tied to healthcare, socioeconomic advancement and empowerment. And lastly, the Ohio State University hit the market with $600 million of green bond to finance a hospital facility. The proceeds from the bond will go towards construction at the school's medical center, which is expected to open up in 2026. So that was the roundup for the green bond transactions that we saw um, this month. Moving on to social bonds and loans. Um, Nick, anything on the social bonds to highlight this month? Yeah, just a couple of things. And wow, that was an action-packed um, absolute smorgasbord of transactions, Aditi. So thanks for taking us through um, all of those different things happening in the market and really a lot of ongoing diversity of use of proceeds, diversification of, of country and sector. So that's great to uh, see. Yeah, just a couple specifically on the on the social bond side. We saw the, I uh, believe, the California Housing Association uh, one of those um, associations, Sustainalytics, provided the opinion for. Um, so that affordable housing theme still pretty predominant um, on the social side of things. Also, BOSAM issued, I think, connected to um, affordable property as well or affordable housing. So do check that out. Also on our website, opinion provided by Sustainalytics. And then uh, Taiwan, as you had mentioned before, Taiwan trains and a couple of things happening there. Aditi, there was the Taipei Fubon um, Commercial Bank did a transaction for social bond, which we've sort of seen more this year, banks raising funds just, just for social. So a bit of a trend there that's, that's continuing. So just a couple of transactions to call out specifically under that social label. As we know, lots of social use of proceeds going on the more broader label of sustainability where it's green and and social. But um, yeah, so that's that. And Aditi, was there any room in the market for green loans after all of the green bonds? Yes, so a couple of transactions to highlight on the green loan side. One is Kiwi Rail, which is the largest rail transport operator in New Zealand, and they operate inter-island ferries as well. So Kiwi Rail got the world's first green loan certification for new ferries. They borrowed $350 million to finance the purchase of two new ferries, which will help them achieve a 40% reduction in CO2 emissions. And this has become the first shipping loan in the world to be certified by the Climate Bond Initiative. Uh, the second Second one to highlight is Charter Hall. This is Charter Hall and Commonwealth Bank loan transaction. 
So Commonwealth Bank announced that it would lend Charter Hall, which is a property group in Australia, about $202 million to fund the construction of its new Australian Post headquarters in Melbourne. And this transaction is believed to be Australia's first ever climate bond initiative certified green development loan. The building itself is targeting a six-star green star rating and a five-star neighbor's energy rating and planning for a carbon neutral construction. What is interesting to note, Nick, is the terms of this development loan aren't actually linked to the green outcomes of the project. There are no incentives built in either to encourage more green buildings or discourage lowering standards. But the difference here is that this office development has a particularly low carbon intensity, which has been verified by a third party. So that's it for green loans. Back to you, Nick. Any SLBs to highlight over the month? Great. Thanks, Aditi, for that. So, yeah, as we know, um, linked bonds continue to power along in the market. So just a couple to highlight. Sustainalytics has worked on on quite a number of opinions uh, with Woolworths um, in Australia doing a transaction. Also an interesting one in, in Brazil, the stock exchange there and the metrics connected to that one were on gender diversity, but also a plan to launch a gender index. So that was one of the more funky or newer types of KPIs that we're seeing and really good to see again, diversification of geography, diversification of segment, and also some newer types of KPIs getting put um, in these transactions that are really material and ambitious for different types of businesses. Another great transaction to have a look at on our website is uh, Vodafone. And they had four KPIs in their linked framework related to some of the emission reductions they enable through their customers, some of their direct emissions, and some of the services they provide on the financial inclusion side through M-Pesa, which is a big project they have for mobile financial services across Africa. So a really, really interesting transaction. Check that one out. Uh, Semex um, Cement from Mexico. Sustainalytics also worked on that, which had a emissions intensity level and some targets within that as well. We saw some more telco transactions come to market. Entel went to the market. So recently we've seen you know, deals like Telus, Vodafone that I just mentioned, and also Deutsche Telekom. So really building on that theme, We've seen over the last 12 months, the IT related companies, some of the services enabling related companies, and also the, the telcos in that space that are, that are crucial for our um, all of our economies. Um, pharma, um, so I've seen um, some action in the use of proceeds space on, on pharma and also on the link bond um, space for Almiral. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but uh, we saw something there. Itanium or Italium high yield issuance Check that one out as well. We also saw an interesting one for Gas Uni or Gas Uni. Again, I'm getting all the tricky pronunciations here. So that one, I guess we know that the debate is still going on about, you know, methane emissions and methane leaks and gas. And is it a proper um, bridging fuel or, or is it not? So check out that transaction in the context of some of those issues. Uh, we saw a Dutch company, sorry, that was the one that I just uh, mentioned, Gasuni, actually a Dutch company there. Um, Sustainalytics also worked on a linked bond for a company called Granges. And the Granges transaction, they do high-grade aluminium production. They don't actually produce the, the aluminium, but they do a lot of work on, on recycling and producing different types of, of combinations. So a couple of targets there around recycling rates and emissions and a little bit of scope three um, as well, which we're really starting to notice on many transactions at the moment, different aspects of scope three, sometimes all, sometimes parts included in trans transactions. Enel went to market again, which is, um, I think must be the, 
maybe the third or fourth transaction they've done. Europe Car also did a linked bond with looking at CO2 equivalents per um, per kilometer. And then also uh, we saw JSW Steel in India go to market just with a carbon intensity related KPI um, and heading to just below two, which is possibly a little bit BAU compared to some other deals in the market. But again, good to see steel going to market. Good to see these hard to abate sectors going to market. And hopefully that stimulates more debate about exactly where good looks like and really encouraging those companies to drastically reduce uh, emissions. As per our usual segment, any questions from the listeners this month, Nick? And listeners, please remember to write to us at podcast at sustainalytics.com. Yeah, thanks, Aditi. There was a couple of questions. So the first one was, we're getting seeing more questions and more participation in these sort of ESG labeled transactions from private equity companies. And what I mean by that is there's obviously some private equity company like sponsors that have got an investment in a company and they're doing transactions. That's great to see. But also more inquiries around how can a private equity company, when they don't know their investments yet, do some kind of facility that's then tailored or, or structured around uh, future emissions or, or material issues Pretty difficult to answer. What I would encourage our listeners to do is check out the Science-Based Target Initiative public consultation on private equity. And there's a couple of interesting approaches to how that's done. And possibly for private equity, just looking at the names in a portfolio and aggregating some emissions or some data that's relevant to a bulk of, of entities across a group or a portfolio might be the way to do it. So watch this space and do check out that SBTI public consultation. The other question we got was around a growing item, let's call it, we're seeing in some linked transactions, which we'd sort of call a plan for a plan. Now, sometimes a plan for a plan, like committing to put a plan in place, committing to have a sustainability report, you know, that's very good and positive. Sometimes we'd see those maybe as a bit more BAU, depending on what it is, how much work is involved in doing that. And it's definitely an important foundation and plank for companies to have those, but whether they're BAU or not, you know, that's in the eye of the beholder somewhat. So um, let's see how that grows. One aspect that we would look at if we were contemplating a situation like that is, well, what? how much teeth does a plan have? How extensive is it? And what is it really going to drive? Because as we know, as a broader point, ideally we want KPIs and then the targets on those KPIs measuring something around sustainability performance, not just putting elements in place to enable that over time. But let's see. Let's see how the combination of those deals grow. So yeah, just a couple of um, quick answers on that, Aditi, this month. Thanks a lot for that, Nick. Moving on to SLLs, we saw a few SLLs this month. Do you want to quickly mention a few, highlight maybe some interesting ones? Yeah, sure. So very briefly, you know, the market, like the broader use of proceeds market, continues to grow very strongly. Uh, we saw some SLLs for different industries. Maui on the seafood. You've talked about Leroy before on the use of proceeds. So again, same industries doing different formats of deals, which is good to see. Apical did a link loan. We saw Olam on the palm oil side enter the market again. We saw the industry super property fund in Australia, ISPT, do I think one of the biggest um, SLLs done in, in Australia or definitely for that sector looking at indigenous issues, water usage and different things. So a pretty cool uh, transaction there. In Africa with uh, Medilink, we saw something. Fraser's in Australia on the property side. Um, also Air Trunk. Now Air Trunk on the data center side. So again, tapping into this telco, IT services, this whole enabling 
um, space. And obviously, the more data we use, these data centers are very power intensive and energy intensive. So focused on the PUE or power usage effectiveness. So good to see that transaction go through. We also saw um, something for the home group in terms of um, building more energy efficient homes over the next little while. And to back up the private equity point before, we saw Carlisle Group do an ESG-linked facility, really pushing its portfolio companies around a few different KPIs, which we won't go into today. So yeah, a bit of a mixture there for the SLLs this month. Great. Anything of particular note for transition? Transition, a couple of things. Not as much as I'd like to report back um, at DD this month, but we've seen a couple of interesting um, things. Uh, Fortescue in Australia continues to be very active, looking at different acquisitions, looking at Green Iron as one of the, the largest um, iron ore providers globally. So let's see how Fortescue continues to develop different elements of their industry. Also, Quite a few articles around carbon pricing and whether that's a good way to really drive transition. We saw a little bit on the race to net zero initiative or race to zero initiative. So check that out. And the ongoing topic of, you know, this potential shortage of some of the specific metals we need to advance into and, and drive further in the low carbon economy. So more just general thematics rather than specific transactions on the transition side this month. Great. Thanks for that. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Until